All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I'm giving you my rapid reaction to the Falcons' 27-25 Week 9 win over their hated rivals in the New Orleans Saints. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com, RIP. Still going strong on Twitter, at FalcFans, giving you weekly content over at the Falcoholic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons. And, of course, the host of this illustrious Lockdown Falcons podcast or daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is a rapid reaction where I will be giving you my breakdown of the Falcons week nine performance against New Orleans Saints, which they managed to prevail despite a very, very iffy finish. Uh, almost another collapse from the Falcons this week, but they managed to hang on in the end. We'll sort of give you the lowdown for those of you that might have missed the game, might have missed the drama, updating you guys on the game submarine and going through the back and forth. Then I'll be handing out my grades for the various units of the Falcons this week, looking at the offense, the defense, the special teams, looking at the run game, the, the pass offense, etc. cetera, uh, for those various aspects of the game. And then sort of our final episode, part of today's episode will be sort of talking about the big question I have coming out of this game, which is, is this game a turning point for this Falcons team? Is this what we should expect? You know, a team that can beat what is, was arguably a much better team in the saints uh, on a more consistent basis in particularly coming up these next couple of weeks where they face some better quality opponents than they have these last couple of weeks. Is this a turning point for this Falcon season? And, and can we really see this team now that they're back to 500 for the first time in three years, uh, potentially, you know, building upon this uh, and, and starting to win some uh, bigger games coming up. So we'll get into that um, later on today's Lockdown Falcons. But before we get to that, I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen of the day. And it's, of course, free and available on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, Spotify. And of course, you can now find Lockdown Falcons on YouTube. Subscribe to the Lockdown Falcons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit that like. Make sure you leave a comment and, you know, tell all your friends about me, man. Uh, so that's what I want to say. And we'll get into that game summary. And we'll talking a little bit about the last episode of Lockdown Falcons on Friday, we talked about the Falcons needing to get off to a fast start in order to take the Saints running game out of the equation. They didn't really get off to that fast start. Uh, they were able uh, to get a field goal on their second offensive possession. And on that drive, it started off with a big play from Matt Ryan to Kyle Pitts on a deep crosser for a 39 yard gain. Then Cordero Patterson caught a 13 yard pass on the third and four to get the Falcons into the red zone. But unfortunately, the Falcons' momentum sort of drove uh, the drive ground to a halt uh, thereafter. And Young Way Koo, uh, they had to settle for a 32 yard field goal from kicker Young Way Koo. The Saints were very focused on pounding the ball down the Falcons' throat on their opening possessions uh, with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara averaging, you know, nearly eight yards per carry on nine shared touches on their first two possessions for them. But unfortunately, Trevor Simeon was not as efficient throwing the ball whenever they did choose to drop 
dropped back to throw. He completed just half of his six throws for a combined 10 yards on those first two possessions, and the Saints punted both times. Now with the second quarter beginning, each team wanted to sort of spark their offense and was aggressive on fourth and shorts, uh, but both teams were stopped. The Saints uh, had the first t- attempt on a fourth and three, and you know it should have converted, but tight end Adam Troutman dropped the pass after beating Falcon safety Eric Harris on a slant pass. And then the Falcons with the ball near midfield basically had fourth and a literal inch. Uh, And instead of going for the QB sneak, they handed the ball off to Mike Davis. He got stopped in the backfield by Saints linebacker Pete Warner and the Falcons uh, lost a turnover on downs. Fortunately, the Saints were not able to take advantage of that thanks to some pressure on Trevor Simeon forcing a throwaway on the Saints' next possession. And then the Falcons took over at their eight-yard line with five and a half minutes left in the first half and started their four-minute drill. Then that turned into their two-minute drill. Uh, and we've seen this Falcons dink and dunk offense, even though we complain about it, or at least I complain about it quite a bit, it works in the in the two-minute drill and the four-minute drill. That's where you want to be dink and dunk to be able to move the ball down the field quickly and whatnot. Matt Ryan was connecting on his first few passes. He then converted a third and one on a scramble, which you know they should have done in that fourth in inches. Uh, then you saw Kyle Pitts beat Quan Alexander on a third and five for a 16-yard game that got the ball in the Saints territory. Russell Gage then showed up with two big catches, including a 20-yard gain to get the ball into the red zone. Matt Ryan then continued to show good mobility on the game, was able to escape the pocket, flip the ball to Patterson, get it down inside the five, and the Falcons scored two plays later on a quick slant off an RPO to Alameda Zacchaeus with Matt Ryan fitting the ball into a tight window. And that was the first of two touchdowns for Zacchaeus in this game. And that put the game at the halftime with the Falcons up 10 to nothing. Now with the saints down two scores, they were kind of forced to abandon their running game, but Simeon was a little bit sharper in the second half. Uh, He was able to connect with Deontay Harris and Alvin Kamara uh, on that opening possession that led to a 12 play scoring drive that put three points on the board. So now the saints were down 10 to three. The Falcons followed that up with a scoring drive of their own, getting a big play from Alameda Zacchaeus on a 49 yard over route, the flip field position. Then you had Matt Ryan scramble on a rollout untouched to cap off the seven play scoring drive on a one yard score. And that extended Atlanta's lead 17 to three with five minutes left in the third quarter. The saints went on a long methodical drive to close out the quarter. It included a fourth and one conversion uh, thanks to Tyler Davidson jumping off sides, uh, but they couldn't get much more after that point and had to settle for a field goal to cut the lead to 17 to six uh, with about uh, 13 minutes to go in the game. And then the Falcons punted and the Saints were able to move the ball. They got a 19 yard gain thanks to Deontay Harris catching a pass from H-back Taysom Hill. Uh, but then Trevor Simeon went right back into the game on the very next play, and James Vodders was able to win on a speed rush, get around the, the corner, strip uh, Simeon from behind. Stephen Means was able to scoop up the loose ball and then scurry 32 yards down the field before Traquan Smith tracked him down at the six-yard line. S- Stephen Means was injured on the tackle, uh, would exit the game with a knee injury, would not return to the game. But thereafter, the Falcons got a very quick score on a one-play drive, hitting uh, Alameda Zacchaeus in the back of the end zone on that one yard or six yard score uh, to go up uh, 24 to six at that point in the game. And that score would be pretty pivotal to the Falcons because they would essentially not do anything on their next two offensive possessions up 18 points with 11 minutes to go in the game. And of course that would mean that we are at the point in the game 
where the, the other team is going to come back. And, you know, it's not prophecy. It's one of God's natural laws. Whenever there is a lead to blow, the Falcons will absolutely 100% of the time blow it. And they proceeded to do that. And Simeon picked the Saint, the, the Falcons defense apart on the ensuing drive, completing seven of eight passes, including a five yard touchdown to Marquez Callaway. Um, then on the next drive, Simeon was off the mark, but Fortunately for him, the Falcons were able to, you know, generate some penalties for him and keep the Saints offense on schedule. You had a pass interference from Fabian Moreau that gifted him, I think, 14 or 27 yards. Then you had a roughing the passer on Alameda's, um, not, I'm sorry, Foye Oluokun uh, on a sack that he had on Simeon. And that gave them another like 15 yards or so. Uh, and then you, that's not even factoring another 15 yards that they had on the opening punt return to start that drive on an unnecessary roughness call on Richie Grant on special teams. And so the Saints were able to cap off that drive with a two-yard touchdown run by Alvin Kamara. Unfortunately for the Falcons, the lob to Adam Troutman on the two-point conversion attempt was incomplete. So the Saints were now down 24 to 19 with four and a half minutes to go in the game. The Falcons did nothing on their next drive. They even tried Felipe Franks at quarterback keeper to try to milk clock. He lost a yard. Ryan was then sacked by Cameron Jordan. That was the first sack that the Falcons had given up all game long. And Matt Ryan was under pressure quite a bit in this game. And for the most part, the Falcons offense was able, despite that, thanks to Matt Ryan being able to handle that pressure particularly well, keep it things in check for the first 46 minutes of this game, but he couldn't escape Jordan. And then on the very next play, he was sacked again by Marcus Davenport and the Falcons punted the ball back to the Saints with two minutes and 46 seconds left in the game. And you had a 26 yard punt return by Deontay Harris, where he nearly broke it for an it for the touchdown. Uh, then on the very first play from scrimmage, you had a 22 yard gain to Kenny Stills. He beat Eric Harris on the double move. Then you had the two minute warning. Then two plays later, Stills beat Fabian Moreau on an eight yard score. Kamara, Kamara was stuffed on the two point conversion. So the Saints weren't able to convert that, but they were up, you know, 25, 24 with a minute uh, left in the game. So uh, what do the Falcons do? Well, they rise up, of course. And so you had on the very first play, uh, uh, Cordero Patterson beating Paulson Adebo on a go route. You know, Matt Ryan just laid it up perfectly for him. Patterson caught it in stride, broke the tackle, then basically scampered 64 yards down to the Saints 11 yard line before he got knocked out of bounds. And of course, at that point in time, it's, you know, you're just setting up for the young way coup game winning field goal. You just need to run it once, make the Saints use that last timeout and just, you know, kneel down two times and you should have it. Uh, good to go for Koo, ready to kick the the walk-off field goal. And, of course, they run the ball, and Mike Davis fumbles it. Fortunately, the Falcons recovered, but, man, it was close. Uh, that, was a lot, that was the worst fumble of Mike Davis's career because he doesn't have many. I think he has two this year, and that's like four for his entire career. Uh, so, fortunately, the Falcons were able to fall on it. They did kneel down twice um, and get down the, the ball the game clocked down to two seconds and then Koo lined up for the 29 yard field goal uh, and hit it. And the Falcons walked away with the, the win. So it was definitely a very dramatic game, really solid uh, first three quarters for the Falcons, terrible fourth quarter for the Falcons, but a final great minute for the Falcons in that fourth quarter. Uh, and so we'll get into the grades uh, that the Falcons deserve on offense, defense, and special teams. 
and whether they got things together. But speaking of things, of getting things together, does this sound familiar? You've got that one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, another where you're watching your sports highlights on your phone, and then you got your father's brothers, nephews, cousins, former roommate Deborah's login for your preferred streaming service. Well, I want to tell you about a way that you can get all the entertainment that you love without any of the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. And it's called direct TV stream. It brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so that you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy a new device ever again. And the best part, besides not having to borrow Deborah's login, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more by heading over to DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device Required content varies by package. So when we're handing out grades and we give them each and every week to the pass offense, rush offense, pass defense, rush defense, and special teams, uh, starting with the pass offense, I'm giving them an A minus. I thought Matt Ryan played very well in this game for the most part. You know, the offense went dead in the fourth quarter, and I'm sure most of the fingers will be pointing at the play calling, the offensive line, and they deserve probably the majority of the blame there. But Matt Ryan did miss a couple of throws on those last few possessions and did certainly contribute to the Falcon stalling. But outside of a handful of throws here or there, uh, he played very, very well. He had that big throw at the end to Patterson where, you know, that was laying, you know, perfect touch on that ball. So any bitter taste you might've had, you know, that, lingering sour taste that you might have had about Matt Ryan or the offense completely got washed out with that throw to Patterson. As I said earlier, he was under pressure quite a bit, used his legs very effectively in this game to keep the Falcons offense on schedule, extending plays and, and finding receivers down the field. Uh, Kyle Pitts, as we expected, was shadowed by Marshawn Lattimore, got off to a really fast start in this game, had a number of uh, big opportunities early in the game. He nearly had a touchdown on the opening drive, it looked like, where he got behind Lattimore, uh, but then Matt Ryan kind of underthrew him, threw behind him, and uh, Pitts should have caught the ball, uh, but couldn't adjust to the ball and dropped it, uh, but then had that big play later uh, to sort of get things going on the next possession. Um, And, you know, I think, you know, Pitts got off to a fast start, but then kind of disappeared in the second half. He only had one target in the second half, uh, finished the game with three catches for 62 yards. But uh, despite that, the Falcons receivers stepped up big this week for really the first time all year long. Um, and you saw it from Russell Gage. You saw it from Milamide Zacchaeus. You saw it from Cordero Patterson because he certainly wasn't contributing in the run game. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but uh, Russell Gage led the team with seven catches. He had 64 yards. Patterson uh, had 126 yards on six catches, including that 64-yarder at the end. Zacchaeus had three catches for 58 yards. Uh, and I think everybody saw Marvin Hall, you know, coming down. <laughs> uh, they're looking over their shoulders like, is that Marvin Hall? What, oh, what's going on? Uh, and so they stepped up their game in a major way because they know that they might lose some Playing time very shortly if they don't start stepping up. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm blaming, I'm, I'm pointing the finger at the Marvin Hall signing being the cure to all the things that the Falcons ailed them. But, you know, outside of that, you know, the skill position players were great. That's why they earned such a high grade, a, a minus. You know, I, I can't give them too high a grade because the pass protection was not very good. Matt Ryan was hit nine times. He was only sacked twice. Um, and again, I think that's more testament to Matt Ryan and his performance than it was to the protection. I wasn't watching the game closely enough, if I'm being completely honest, to see 
if there was a specific player that was struggling more than the others. All I know is that the Jordan sack at the end of the game was given up by Jake Matthews. Um, but for the most part, the pass protection is the only thing holding this unit back from getting a much higher grade than the A minus. Looking at the rush offense, you know, I got to go the opposite direction. They get an F, man. It, there was, it was awful. They, they could not run the ball at all in this game. Um, and I think they were trying to run the ball early in this game to try to keep that Saints pass rush at bay. And it was not effect. Well, I mean, I guess it was effective because Matt Ryan wasn't getting sacked because they were running the football, but they were not moving the ball at all in this game. You saw a lot of Cordero Patterson in the first half. Then he basically got, I think, one carry in the second half. And you saw a lot of Mike Davis in the second half. Uh, but neither of those guys really did much of anything. You even saw the Falcons try to sprinkle Felipe Franks into the mix, trying to, I guess, get some of that Taysom Hill mojo uh, for two plays. But the Falcons had 20 design runs in this game. They had successful carries on just two of them. That's a success rate of 10%. And as I've explained many times on the podcast, you're shooting for like 40 to 45% at a minimum in terms of your success rate and your efficiency running the football. And success rate is sort of a pass fail basis that you're measuring rushing efficiency based off of down and distance uh, for those that are unfamiliar with it. But in terms of trying to figure out what is a good uh, success rate, just think of it as basically half of what a passer rating is, right? The average passer rating in NFL is like 85. So half of that is like 42. And so that would be what an average success rate should look like. Uh, a good passing rating is uh, 100, right? And so half of that is 50. So that would be what a good uh, success rate would be. So if if you're using those same rules, you know, 10% success rate rushing the football is like having a 20 passer rating. And that would be make you one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. That probably makes you one of the worst quarterbacks of all time if you had that. And so the Falcons, the only thing the Falcons were able to do on the ground was basically when Matt Ryan was scrambled. He scrambled three times in this game. All three times was successful on those runs, uh, but those weren't design runs. So they don't count towards that 10% success rate that I cited earlier. So the running game, an F right? They're going to have to improve in the trenches, but we will, we'll talk about that at a later date. Uh, moving on to the defense, the pass defense, I give them a C, right? The, the Saints passing game really wasn't that effective in the first half, but uh, you know, I think a lot of that was probably owed to the Saints dropping passes. You know, Simeon was five for 11 for 34 yards in the first half. In the second half, he was 20 for 30 for 215 yards. Um, and you know, I, I don't know exactly how many drops the Saints had, but I saw someone say that they had six and that seems to be about right. Um, now to be fair, the Falcons did contest some of those throws that led to some of those drops. Uh, so defenders were sort of in the face and, and challenging those throws, but those were opportunities that the Saints, the ball did hit the receiver's hands and they should have caught those balls. Um, so it's hard for me to say, you know, I want to give the defense some credit because they were contesting those throws, but at the same time, some of them were just clear out and out drops. Uh, AJ Terrell was outstanding in this game. He had three pass breakups. He was consistently contesting balls. The Falcons did get some pressure on Trevor Simeon. They finished the game with five quarterback hits, which, you know, I don't know off the top of my head how many they had, but it seems like probably the, the most, if not, or the second most that they've had all year long. So it was an improvement from previous games. Three of those came from linebackers and cornerbacks. So that's a testament to their blitz getting home at times. Um, so you got to give the defense some credit for making it harder for Simeon in, in that offense. Um, but we saw at the end of the game, the Saints had really no problem moving the ball for the most part. Um, and you had that penalty laden drive, uh, which you can't, contribute to the past defense, although Moreau did get flagged for one of those things. And, you know, Aluakun 
did get flagged, but you know, that, that flag was questionable uh, in, in my eyes, but uh, it's hard to be too praising with the past. Even I'll give them a decent grade. I'm, I'll be honest. I'll tell you right now that I'm, I'm probably being a little bit too generous with some of these grades just because it's the saints and I'm feeling good about the Falcons beating their most hated rival. Uh, so they're getting a slight bump here. So I'll give the past defense a C, you know, but it doesn't feel great for the Falcons to uh, giving up that lead so late, going up against a third string quarterback facing a relatively beat up offensive line in a team that has a wide receiver core that is arguably the only one that's weaker than the Falcons wide receiver core. But at this point, beggars can't be choosers rush defense. I'm going to give them a B minus. And that's crazy to say when you watch those first two possessions, because they were on F pace, they were on F minus they were on Q uh, in terms of letter grades on how bad they were. The first two drives up the saints came out. And on their first seven carries, had successful runs. They were averaging nine yards a pop on those first seven carries uh, in in the game. Uh, They wound up running the ball nine times on their first two possessions. But then after that point, the Falcons basically put the clamps on the Saints running game. And their success rate thereafter for the 16 times that the Saints ran the ball after that point was, you know, 31%. So they finished the Saints overall finished the game uh, with a success rate of 48 percent on their 25 carries, which is a good number when you look at it overall. Again, uh, using that sort of metric, that would be like the equivalent of a 96 passer rating or whatever the case may be, which would be pretty good. But, uh, you know, given that, you know, they were able to shut it down for the last three quarters. I'm giving them a much higher grade than that sort of overall figure seems to indicate. Uh, And so one of the things I I certainly do want to focus on when I watch the film this week is uh, how did the Falcons turn things around? Was it Anthony Rush? Because it it seemed like, you know, I started noticing Anthony Rush a lot more after the first quarter in the game. He was getting a lot of those nose tackle snaps and Rush was a big 340, 350 pounder guy that the Falcons elevated to their practice squad as the fifth defensive line. They did not activate John Kaminsky. They did not activate Taquan Graham as we speculated about on Friday's episode. And it was a lot of rush at nose tackle. I saw Mike Pinnell playing some defensive end. And was that the thing that helped the Falcons stop the run in the second half that they had this basically, you know, 700 plus pounds of beef in the middle of their defensive line, uh, preventing the Saints from running the football. Because I, I do know Rush was very disruptive in this game. He led the team with three run stops. He had two tackles for loss. Could have had a third one on a late Kamara run in the in the I think in the fourth quarter on the big run, but that was called back by holding and he nearly had Kamara in the backfield there. So, you know, he, Apparently, you know, Anthony Rush was like, y- y'all don't need to be worried about drafting Jordan Davis. I, I can do that job pretty well. So, uh, you know, give the run defense a-, a high grade because we talked about they at some point you can't rely on the offense to have to uh, get off to a fast stop and make the Saints abandon the run. You're going to have to get stops. And the Falcons did that in the second quarter and third quarter and fourth quarter. They did that. So I'm giving a run defense a B minus there. Special teams, I'm going to give an, another B minus. Uh, this was probably Dustin Coquit's be- best game as the punter. There was only maybe one questionable punt. Now, the coverage units were not great, and maybe Coquit contributed to that. Maybe he didn't get enough hang time on those punts. But l- watching the game live, I didn't notice that uh, off the jump. So we'll see if the film confirms that. But uh, generally, I think the coverage units were bad, and, and Coquit was doing a good job punting. Of course, Young Wei Koo, uh 
is always reliably great. Uh, the return game, not so much. Uh, Cordero Patterson did fumble on a kickoff. He was fortunately able to recover, um, you know, but, uh, and I know if they had reviewed it, he would have been ruled down before the ball came out. Um, but, you know, that doesn't necessarily leave a, a good taste in your mouth to see that from the return game. So uh, when you look at the struggles of return game, you look at the struggles of the coverage units where Harris nearly got two, two big punt returns, including one where I think it was Deron Harmon that got the touchdown saving tackle from him. Um, so it was one of those things where you had some positives from the special teams, but then you also had the negatives. So I'm going to give them a B minus again. I'm probably giving them probably a little bit too much praise. Thanks to young way and the fact that our punting game looked decent unit coverage unit, not so much, but you know, still work in progress there, but I'll give them a B minus overall. So those are sort of my grades and we'll get into my final thoughts of the game uh, to see if this was a turning point for the Falcons. But before we get into all of that, guys, I want to thank you for making Locked On Falcons your first listen each and every day. And of course, it's free and available on a variety of podcast platforms. But as a recommendation for your second listen, if you're on YouTube watching this now, Locked On Braves is on YouTube. I know you're still riding the high of that World Series win and see what's next for this Braves team by checking out Locked On Braves uh, on a variety of podcast platforms. You can check out Locked On Hawks uh, covering the Atlanta Hawks with my boy Brad Rowland, uh, giving you the lowdown on the Hawks start to their 2021-22 NBA season. So check that out as well. Um, and so we'll keep the things rolling here on Locked On Falcons by telling you about the new mystery box uh, contest over at Built Bar, uh, where they have a contest. Uh, I think the final week to enter is this week, November 12th. Uh, and they have some great prizes. You can get a $500 gift card to multiple retailers like Amazon, Lululemon, or Under Armour. You can also get a new iPhone 13 Pro, a new Peloton bike, and of course, a year-long supply of Built Bars. Built Bars come in great flavors. Whether you're adventurous enough to guess what that mystery box flavor is going to be, you can get limited time flavors like Paranormal Pumpkin or Blueberry Muffin, or you can get the tried and trues like Peanut Butter Brownie, Salted Caramel, Coconut Almond, my personal favorite. And of course, you want to try all the Built Bars available because Built Bars taste just like a candy bar containing 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, but you get none of the guilt of eating a candy bar because Built Bars are healthy too. They're low in calories and sugar, high and protein and fiber. So go order yourself some today. Go enter that mystery box contest over at built.com. And when you do make sure you use the promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. So football season is in full swing. And of course, bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated website and interface and even more odds, props and contests. Bet online continues to be the number one source for everything football, even though baseball season is over. Bet online is the number one source for basketball, boxing, even your favorite Vegas casino game. So head over to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today and use that promo code locked on and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. Meaning if you deposit 500, you'll get $250 on top of that and free money to play with. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Of course, the Falcons covered this week 
And basically, I did not expect that to happen. And basically, when I give you a recommendation on what the Falcons do, probably your best advice is to do the opposite of that. So if I say, oh, the Saints will probably cover the six and a half point spread, uh, bet on the Falcons. Uh, now, you know, I, I do a little bit better when it comes to the Falcons, but this is uh, when it comes to bets other than the Falcons. But, uh, you know, historically, this is why I don't bet on the Falcons, because I have no idea what's going to happen. So head on over to Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. Um, the question is, is this a turning point for the Falcons? And it's hard for me to say that because, you know, we thought that win over Miami a couple of weeks ago was kind of a turning point for them. And then they kind of laid an egg last week against Carolina. They, they had an opportunity to win that game, but, you know, uh, didn't make the plays that they needed to. Uh, this week, you can say they had an opportunity to lose this game, but didn't make the plays that they, they needed to. Uh, so it's hard for me to, to get that sort of buy-in to say that this is the turning point that the Fox, it could be, right? We'll see what this team can do against Dallas. We'll see what they can do on Thursday night against New England. If you had asked me two weeks ago when we were talking about the potential for this team making the playoffs, I would have told you then, you know, Carolina and New Orleans are winnable games for them. Dallas and New England are less winnable games for them. Um, but who knows? You know, Dallas looked vulnerable at home, uh, I think, for the first time in a long time, you know. Um, but they're going to present some challenges. New England, we know that New England's game plan is going to be take away Kyle Pitts. And we'll see if the rest of the receivers can step up in a major way like they did today. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But it, it's one of those things where, like, I want to buy in on the Falcons. And again, this is not me being negative. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm cherishing this win, right? Because for me, it looks like right now I'm sort of considering it to be a one-off because we haven't necessarily seen seen this Falcon team do the things that they need to do to win each and every game. But they did it on Sunday. Um, and I, as I said earlier, because it's against the Saints, it feels even better. Uh, although, you know, I, I'm, I'm still probably going to have to take some medicine because I'm having heart palpitations. Like normally I, when the Falcons, you know, I, you knew that they were going to let the Saints back into the game. You knew that was going to happen. But like because it's the Saints and like it feels, you know, the wins feel better and the losses feel worse because it's your rival team. It you know if this had been you know any other opponent that the Falcons had had this year, uh, the Panthers it would have been the Bucks it would have been like yeah it sucks but like whatever you know but because it's the Saints like you feel every back and forth every gain every loss every, every sort of thing so all of that to sit here and say like they did the thing that they needed to do we talked about they didn't get off to the fast start that we needed to but they they held a lead for you know for the the first th three you know, what, 58 minutes of this game or whatever it was. Um, and they were up 10, nothing at halftime. And so that kind of forced the saints to not have to run the ball as much in the second half. But the key was that they stopped the run, right? We knew that it wasn't just going to be a fast start. They're going to have to stop the run because the saints aren't going to be as quick to bend the run as other teams have been when they are playing down and the saints and the Falcons stopped the run in the second quarter. They stopped the run in the third quarter. And so when the saints did finally truly abandon the run, you know, in midway through the third quarter, it was due not just to the lead, but to the Falcons doing the thing that they needed to do on defense, which was stop the run. And then on offense, we knew that, you know, while Kyle Pitts did have his way with Marshawn Lattimore on those couple of first couple of drives, we knew that Kyle Pitts was probably not going to have this 12 target, 10 target game, eight catches or whatever the case may be going up against Lattimore. Uh, Lattimore is probably as the type of corner that you, you know, I was going to say, the prototype, but probably Jalen Ramsey is probably the prototype. But like, you know, in terms of second tier corners that you would want to go toe to toe against Kyle Pitts, that 
Lattimore is the type of guy that you want. Like we've seen his success against Mike Evans, who's basically the same size as Kyle Pitts is. Uh, and so like you knew that you probably not going to be able to rely on Kyle Pitts, you know, down in and down out, drive in and drive out this game. And so you needed your other receivers to step up. And so basically my point is the Falcons did exactly what you wanted to see them to do in order to overcome the saints. Uh, you, you know, again, despite my heart palpitations, much to my chagrin, you know, they did the thing that they needed to do in order to come away with a win here. And so part of you wants to sit here and say, okay, this is a turning point for this team. This team finally stepped up. They finally stopped the run. They were finally able to get some production outside of their wide receiver group that wasn't from Calvin Ridley. Um, And so that's a positive sign. But to me, it feels like this is the first time that we've seen it this year. And while this win was not expected from me, it wasn't a surprise to me because basically what I said on Friday was like the Falcons can – all these things can come together for the Falcons this week because it's the saints and, and whatever the case may be. And, you know, that would be the first time that all season long that that would have happened and that can lead to a win. But because we haven't seen this team consistently do that week in and week out, it's hard to necessarily expect that going into this game. Now that they did it, can we expect it coming out of this game that this is going to be the type of team that we see, you know, each and every week that when the thing that we talk about with the Falcons is like typically on, on defense, especially when we talk about what do opposing teams want to do, you know, they want to run the football. They want to have their quarterback to sit back in the pocket and pick apart their defense, or they want, they have this mobile quarterback that they want to see that guy extend plays and the Falcons, historically speaking, and this is not just a 2021 thing. This seems to go back, you know, 10, 15 years that whatever the opposing team wanted to do, the Falcons would essentially let them do it. Um, and they, you know, the thing that the saints wanted to do was run the football. And it looked like for the first two drives that the Falcons were going to let them do it. And they, they basically turned off the faucet, I guess you could say, uh, as far as that goes. Uh, so can this team continue to be the team moving forward against Dallas next week? You know, they're going to want to sit back. They were going to want to run the football and they're going to want Dak Prescott to sit back and pick apart this defense with his, uh, weapons. Uh, can they do that? You know, we'll find out together. Uh, but for me, it's hard for me to get the, the sort of buy-in, all of this to say, uh, because we, they had an opportunity two weeks ago uh, to to turn things around and, and sort of do it. So maybe this is the turning point. Maybe we'll look back a couple of weeks from now after a strong performance against Dallas, after a strong performance on Thursday night against New England, after a strong performance against uh, Jacksonville, although, you know, you can never assume anything with the Falcons when it comes to bad teams. Uh, and then we'll, we'll be going into that Tampa Bay game in week 13 being like, okay, we can legitimately go toe-to-toe with this Bucks team because the team that we have seen these last three weeks consistently, a good Falcons team has consistently shown up in those three weeks we have made teams play left-handed if that's the case then we may be looking back at this game as the turning point but right now as I often say on this podcast I'll believe it when I see it Uh, and right now just because I've seen it one time does not mean that I'm automatically going to assume that I'm going to see it uh, you know every other time moving forward so you know it could be a turning point for this Falcon team but right now I'm you know I'm skeptical as I am often am but uh, you know you know the, the positive for this game is you know you guys can 
erase all those mock drafts that have Jordan Davis as the Falcons pick in the first round because Anthony Rush is the new Jordan Davis. Who needs Jordan Davis when you got Anthony Rush, man? And this just basically proves the point I was trying to make all week on Twitter is that you don't need to invest a first round pick in to get it in order to get a wide body if it winds up, you know, the film winds up telling me that Anthony Rush was the cause of the Falcons uh, rushing success being that big body in the middle. You, we literally found a guy off the street that can do that job. Uh, it doesn't mean that, you know, you can't, there isn't room for upgrades there, but, uh, you know, I don't think you need to invest a first round pick in order to get that. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm happy for that reason uh, alone. You know, if you, if you guys, if you Georgia fans want the Falcons to draft somebody, I don't know if he's draft eligible, but you know, Jalen Carter is probably the guy y'all need to be talking a little bit more about that. Cause that dude could actually rush the quarterback, you know? So, uh, that's what I would recommend for you moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta throw some shade at the Georgia fans. No, but Jalen Carter, he's he's what what would they, what would they call him? Oh, he's a a dog man. Um, so <laughs> uh, there, you guys leave it. I'm I'm done talking. I'm just rambling here at the end of the show. Uh, so uh, if you guys have any feedback that you want to provide me. If you don't ever want me to, to call anybody a dog again, you can do so by hitting me up on Twitter at Lockdown Falcons, on Facebook at Lockdown Falcons, or you can send an email to LockdownFalcons at mail.com. Of course, thank you for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen each and every day. And of course, I always have recommendations for what your second listens should be. Of course, they should be Locked On Hawks, Locked On Braves. If you want to make a little bit of money, Locked On Bets. Uh, but of course, you always got you covered on the Peacock and Williamson podcast, our flagship NFL show here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, giving you insight into all 32 NFL teams, whether that be the Falcons, the Saints, the Broncos, the Cowboys, whoever. Check them out on Peacock and Williamson, free and available on all podcast platforms. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow with a potential guest to talk more about this Falcons game. I hope you had a great weekend. I hope you have a relaxing Sunday evening because Sunday afternoon was not very relaxing. But appreciate it, guys. Until then.